I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. back to Barton and Bud. I'm Barton Simmons along with Bud Elliott. It's rankings day at 24-7 sports. Uh, go to the message boards if you just want to see people blasting me, taking shots at my family, at my upbringing, at my morals. It's all fair game on rankings day. Um, no, I haven't been that bad and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a kind of a weird year from a, from a recruiting rankings perspective. Hadn't had camps really all year. Um, not a lot of in-person opportunities with the quarantine and the lockdown. So, um, feel good about the product, all things considered. Um, but this was your first kind of full cycle here. This is going to be our, what we, we still have one more. I don't know. We, we can talk about that. I guess we could have multiple more updates with this, this, this crop. Um, but, uh, how's, how's been your life on the rankings calls for you? You know, I, it's, it's really been an interesting experience. I, I knew somehow it worked before I got here because, uh, you know, you and I had talked, but um, it just I, I don't know if if people on the outside really realize you know, just how much film everybody's watching, you know, just, just how much info they're, they're trying to dig up. And we, we, we really care about accurate height and weight. We, we, we care about ha- having measurables and verified times. We, we care about, you know, understanding why we missed on guys in the past and then trying to apply those lessons to our, our current eva- evaluation process to not prevent misses, we're, we're, we're going to have misses, uh, but, but to minimize the, the chance of misses to, to get better each and every year. And, you know, like I, we, we talk about stuff, Hey, the, the, you know, we saw this pattern three or four cycles ago, that this is why we missed on these kids. This is a red flag for this kid that we identified with these previous guys who for all the world looked awesome, but this is something that is probably, uh, a, a bit of a red flag, and we shouldn't go overboard with with this with this kid's ranking. At the same time, not you know not kind of you know falling falling victim to small sample set. Just because one kid had this issue and, and busted doesn't mean other kids have had the issue and and been been totally fine. So that that's been really interesting to me. Understanding you know how players are are, are projected and not falling in love with guys just because they're really good high school players right now. It, it we're not we're not ranking the best high school players we're, we're ranking the best prospects for the future yeah um and you know obviously this is going to be the, it's kind of going to be a fun year to figure out how exactly this all work because we've typically this is our second to last update for the 2021 class for the senior class um we will have another update in january usually that update is coming after the all-american bowls and the all-star games and it's that's sort of like a, a final round where we really lock in our five stars, have one last look at these guys to determine, you know, who we want to bet on. We don't really have those All-American games. And in some cases, we don't even have senior seasons. And in not all cases, some guys aren't going to play senior years at all. But in many cases, we're going to have an opportunity to see them play in the spring. Uh, we're going to have move, for the first time ever, we're going to have adjustments in our top 247 into April and May um, because we'll have new information to evaluate. And um, uh, hopefully those seasons get played with the spiking numbers right now. Who knows if they'll even get played. But um, when do we lock in our 32 five stars, which is our number every year to reflect the first round of the NFL draft? Probably doesn't come before February. Um, you know, what, uh, 
uh, there's just a lot of uh, variables this cycle, given how little information we have and given sort of the fluid nature of the body of work, that's going to make some some, um, conversations uh, a lot more, again, fluid and, and, and organic. It, it really will. I, because we're going to have some rankings updates, uh, at least one, like you said, in, in the new year, there's going to be all kinds of, of screams of bias because you know, we're going to be updating kids and then kids will be moving who have already signed. But like we're still taking in more information. So I, I think the key is, do you want to get it right? Do you want to get it right as, as much as you can? And if so, you don't worry about what people will say. You take all possible information that, that you can. And it's unfair, not only to, to the kids who have played in the fall, but to the kids who are playing in the spring, if you don't factor in what they do in the spring at, at, at the high school level. I mean, I, I, I want to get this right. You know, if, if in three or four years come the NFL draft, if we're sitting here and we still have the number one recruiting rankings, I want to look back and say, you know what? Yeah, we did. Because we did it right, we, we took we took into account that that new information that we got, and we factored it into to our to our rankings. This has already been tough enough, I and mean, we still have schools asking us, any any of your guys ever seen this kid in person? None of our staffs ever seen him in person. They'd like any idea why, like why he's not getting offered? I'm like, yeah, he's five nine. <laughs> you know, like like they're they're combing these all state lists, and they, they see this six one backer. I'm like, no, nah, he's he's five nine. It's kind of weird to talk. It's to, such a weird. It's year. weird to talk to coaches right now who might be tempted to offer an in-state player at a major pro at a major in-state program. And they don't know what he looks like. They don't know how big he is. And it's like, that's typically they would have, have seen him probably in person three different times, whether it's on their campus multiple times for, for junior days or for games where they measure and weigh him in this cycle. It's just like, they're just guessing just like all of us. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge, but, We'll uh, do our best with it. Dude, that transfer portal rule where, where kids can, can transfer immediately could not have come at a better time for, for these kids and for these schools, to be frank. I mean, some of these schools are going to be wishing that, that they, uh, they had not taken some of these kids, not because they're bad kids, but just because they, they missed on their, on their emails. I, I think everybody from, you know, from schools to, to, to kids to, you know, to evaluators are, are, are less accurate this year because of the lack of information. I mean, we're, we're, you're applying the same process. You're probably applying an even better process in some regards as far as your, your, your cross-checks and whatnot. Uh, but the lack of information and the lack of evaluation periods uh, is is problematic. Yeah. All right, well, so we get into the games this weekend. Preview time. Let's do it, man. Uh, God, we actually have some good games this weekend. Last weekend, uh, I, I, it's not like we didn't have good games, but we just we didn't have, we didn't have great games. You know, quite the marquee games. Yeah, it was a it was not um, a great weekend last weekend. Still had a couple uh, fun fun ones, but not just the, the 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 matchups weren't there. So, where do you want to start in this? Because I I actually have kind of a sneaky pair of games that that, that I want to go to that are a little bit off the radar before we get to our Indiana Ohio State's or our Wisconsin Northwesterns and, and of course Bedlam. But we just got done talking about the South Carolina job. I had a really good time uh, having a, a very you know reasoned discussion with folks on, on the Big Spur message board. Big Spur is, is the 24-7 Sports South Carolina site. Be sure to check them out for all of your Hugh Freeze and Billy Napier and uh, Jamie Chadwell news. Two of those guys had major games this weekend. They're they're both their schools. Jamie Chadwell at at Coastal is playing App. Coastal is uh, is a small favorite. Liberty is a dog at NC State, Hugh Freeze's Liberty team. If you're a Gamecock fan, that those are kind of your two games of the week. You want to see how that guy, how those guys do. They're, they're certainly, I think, legitimate candidates for that job. And and I think both these teams can win, especially because uh, Thomas, the, the quarterback for for App State, he might he might be out. Oh, really? He took a pretty, pretty yeah, he took a pretty serious injury at, at the end of last game. I didn't totally realize that either, uh, and I, I actually bet half state on Sunday, and that thing has since moved away from me. And I, I dug in as to, as to why, because you know, normally I get pretty good, pretty good line movement and value on on the stuff that I hit early, and and yeah, now that's uh, what is that game? I think it's at five, uh, five and a half. Yeah, I mean that, that that could hit a touchdown if, especially if if Thomas doesn't play for half state. But we know South Carolina fans will, will be watching intently uh, what Coastal does because that, that's such a fun offense that kind of. I don't want to call it triple from the gun, but it's it has some of those elements, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't. I, you know, I think that's that's going to be an interesting one. I think the you know the the theory of um, is is Chadwell here to stay or is he a first year? Is he kind of a one hit wonder? Um, you know, that's that that's the question if you're evaluating him for a South Carolina job. But if you go and you be someone like App State, who is sort of the opposite of a one hit wonder and and has such a a really established culture and a program, that's going to help your help your case for sure. I think the NC State one, because like NC State is a quality ACC opponent. I mean, Virginia Tech was as well. So they already have one at Liberty. Um, but NC State is another quality opponent that's having a quality year. And yet I also, I, I, I absolutely believe that this is a game that Liberty could win. And I think it's almost because when Devin Leary, got injured, right? Like we felt like that, that was going to really limit NC state's ability to, um, to get the thing rolling, keep it rolling, but they've had pretty respectable show. I mean, they, 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 they handled Florida state really well. They really kind of should have beaten Miami. Um, and so they come into this game at one, two, three, four, five, what five and three, a, a strong ACC resume. And and no one's really talking about the fact they're playing their backup quarterback anymore. And this is a, an NC state team that has, you know, teams have run the football on them and they've given up some points. And if Liberty gets this thing up and down the field, then they got it right where they want it in terms of the style of play and the opportunity to get a win out of it. So um, this could be a monumental opportunity for Liberty to, to cash in. If I told you that Liberty had a chance to finish with more ACC wins than Florida State. In what year would have that made sense? That's wild, man. I hadn't thought about that, but that's that's. Um, it seems it seems pretty reasonable at this point. It, I mean, Ch- Chubba Purdy's out now too. They they, yeah. they had to go in and, and redo the, the collarbone surgery there, so they're down to Jordan Travis, who gets hurt every game. It seemed well, at least the last five games. And, uh, and and Tate Rodemaker, who we saw in the All American Bowl, you know, about eleven months ago. Uh, so, man, this is uh, this is going to be interesting down the stretch with Liberty. Uh, it I feel like the national media has pretty much embraced Hugh Freeze's candidacy there. I, I haven't seen anything from South Carolina side that they have embraced him as a candidate, but I, I haven't seen anybody over there, you know, really writing it off either. Uh, and, and if he beats NC State. And that's that's a pretty good statement. We know the guy can coach offense. You know, can he run a program? I think some elements of the program, absolutely. Some elements, maybe he will have learned something from. Uh, but they said they're not they're not losing games seventeen ten anymore, which I think is really dumb to say that and give up your leverage. You know, to, in, in negotiations because they'll know you're not hiring a defensive coach. But he freeze does not lose games seventeen to ten. Yeah, and I, it's. I'd be surprised, I think, if if he got South Carolina, but in a way, that's that's all right because all this has done is is the buzz around his name and the sort of natural fit associated with that job and the opportunity has is almost cleared him. Like it's made it okay. Maybe we're not ready to hire Hugh Freeze yet, but the fact that he is being talked about as a mainstream candidate without any hesitation anymore. I think goes a long way towards making him a favorite, a front runner of a totally valid candidate for the next job that opens. And that may even be this year or maybe it's next year, but um, I think that things if this is playing out perfectly for the future, if you freeze. It's that kind of normalization process, right? That, you know, we're we're just, we're talking about it. His his name is in the cycle and, you know, our, our old friend Charles Power was tweeting the other day about, about the stuff he's done with, with Malik Willis and how much Malik Willis, just how much better he looks under Hugh Freeze than, than how than how you know he apparently looked when he was at Auburn, the, the Liberty quarterback. Uh, I mean, this is two. This is a game between two transfer QBs who have kind of been reclamation projects. Bailey Hockman was, you know, was was not very good at Florida State, and he was not good last year at NC State, and he was not good so far this year except for the last two games. NC State, but but Tim Beck, their, their new OC, has, has got him playing well, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see how that turns out. Um, I think Tim Beck's been one of the best hires of the offseason. Yeah, man. I think he's done like, a really like, good job at NC State, and that did did you see that coming? No, no, I didn't. That's the thing. It's like um, you know, they're over. 
he's been, uh, you know, he was at Ohio State with Urban Meyer. He was at Texas with Tom Herman. He's he's been sort of a guy like he's just been the blame guy when things haven't worked out, um, as opposed to a guy that is coming in to sort of revitalize things. I think with the opportunity here at NC State to come in and um, yeah, it's his show, it's his operation. He he's been he's absolutely exceeded my expectations. I think he's he's really kind of um, re- rehabilitated his name. Not not that it not that he was in like a you know, had a bad reputation as an offensive coordinator, but I just think th- this, this has gone a long way towards um, changing the narrative on, on him as a coach. So I think he's done an awesome job. And let's be real here. NC state coming off a season that, that it had last year was not in position to attract a hotshot coordinator. So it was probably going to have to go to a guy with very little experience or a, a retread, if you will. And it appears to have hit on one. I mean, that, he had Devin Leary look look dynamite before Leary got hurt too. So and he's done, I mean, and Mac there's a lot of limitations State. with Bailey Hockman, and and yeah. they've played around them and and been been really effective. So um, yeah, I'm 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 a believer there. All right, so here's some teams that I want to know: Do you believe in? Like, I believe they're undefeated, but are you actually a believer in these two next teams that that I want to talk about? We kind of have the Big Ten East. And the Big Test, Big Ten West championship games this weekend. Yeah, we do. I mean, I, I'm. This is going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm going to watch some Big Ten football. All right, Indiana. They're undefeated. Their path to getting undefeated is. I feel like it's impressive and suspect at the same time. Like they they were not the better team against Penn State. If you look at the post game win expectancy, and and this doesn't guarantee anything, but. They had a 5% post-game win expectancy. They, they really kind of lucked their way into that win. They crushed Rutgers. They beat Michigan. They actually only had a 52% expectancy in that one, which I, you know, I have a hard time believing that because I watched that game. And then they, they crushed Michigan State. They're doing some things that are really impressive. They're, they're in the red zone. They've been tremendous on on both sides of the ball. Like their red zone defense has been out of this world. They're also scoring points in the red zone at, at, a, at a very high clip, uh, and they've hit explosive plays on offense a ton. I mean they they hit a lot of explosive plays defensively. They've created a ton of turnovers, but but man, I don't know. I am having a little bit of a hard time buying in on Indiana. I are are you, are you there with me? Like, do you have concerns uh, I mean, of about? Of course, this? of course, you are. Like, it, it's it's that's a that's very reasonable. It's there's it's a um. Uh, I mean, it's a we're going to talk about the, the Big Ten West in a minute, but it's a it's a northwesternish team in a northwesternish season with a um, you know, with a quarterback that's the former quarterback that happens to be playing at Northwestern. Um, they're they're. You know they're playing really good defense. They're they've got tremendous belief within that program. They've got a quarterback that can make some plays, who's got some athletic ability, and they got a few playmakers on the outside. It's actually that, that that's not necessarily the Northwestern um, mo. I mean Northwestern and they can you know winning with perimeter receiving threats as much as they're just playing really good defense and, and winning close, uh, which is sort of what I was getting at with the Northwestern comparison, but. Um, so I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're equipped to, to be a challenger to Ohio state, but I do, I do kind of, I'm glad we're getting this Ohio state matchup because I, I'm not trying not, not to cast doubts on Ohio state, but Nebraska's offense has not been that impressive. Penn state has been, is Owen four Rutgers isn't good. Like which of those games did Penn State or did Ohio State just put a like a silly beat down on these teams? Like they won, they won decisively. I'm not claiming they didn't, but um, I mean, I think in, in in retrospect, and when you as you compare them to some of the other, you know, the Alabamas, the you know, the the Clemsons, um, I. Like do 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 you trust Ohio State to be the juggernaut right now, given what you've seen and what you know that we necessarily anticipated they would be before the season? 
this is an interesting topic, and I'm glad you brought it up. I, no, I, I, I was I was talking to Josh Payne on the phone yesterday for a while about some video stuff, and, and he's the master of analogies. And, and I, I one kind of popped into my head here for Ohio State. Ohio State is like this championship boxer who is going just a round or two more than you feel like they should go against some of these opponents, right? Like like they some of these should be first or second round knockouts, and a couple of these have just kind of been. Like, man, it went four rounds, it went five rounds, it went six rounds. Sure, Ohio State still wins. It's pretty obvious. They eventually win in knockout fashion. Like, they're, they're not having to go to the cards. But but the, these fights, like, the knockouts are not coming as quickly and in as quite a dominant fashion as I think we thought they would. Um, part of that, I think, is Ohio State's secondary is is not as good as as it was last year. They lost a lot of guys. To the NFL, I know they've had some injury issues there at, at corner on the Bucknuts Morning Five podcast this morning. They were talking about how you know, corner is clearly the weakness on this team right now. And if you think about it, who Ohio State has played, have they played anybody that you really think can exploit them with 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 a cornerback position? Because if there's one thing Indiana does good on, on offense, it's it's hit explosive plays. Like they they might be able to hit some explosive plays on Ohio State. That, that's a potential weakness there. Now, where Ohio State can throw the knockout punch is literally on the other side of that. Indiana's defense, because it's aggressive, because they try for turnovers and they're, they're trying to be a kind of a chaos defense, they give up a ton of explosive pass plays. A ton. They're 74th in the nation in explosive pass rate allowed. Ohio State is third in the country in passing explosiveness. If your defense is a little bit leaky through the air against Ohio State, Justin Fields is going to just flood you like that 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 little drip 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 becomes Noah's Ark in, in in just a second so they have to find a way to get Ohio State off schedule and prevent some of the explosive plays and Ohio State like Ohio State may just be able to throw the knockout punch here against Indiana and, and make it into a game where they don't have to worry about the run and, and make Indiana just throw through a throw it's a little weird that Indiana hadn't been able to run the ball very well yeah it's, it's like it? they like, would be better at that I, I, the running backs are I, I feel like have some ability um stevie scott samson james like those guys seems like they're they have talent um but they just can't seem to get loose in the run game and that uh this is not the kind of game i mean i agree like there's some and and even like we i remember when was it i feel like it was that urban myers maybe urban myers second to last year there when ohio state was like not feeding people as bad as they were supposed to be. And, and then Iowa got them and, and it really exp- and broke the dam. Yeah. Or maybe it was a Purdue got them that year. What was it? Might have been. Purdue. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I feel like Indiana was one of the early games that year and they were played really close to them that first half because they, they kept on hitting a bunch of um, a bunch of big plays. Uh, was it Simi Cobb? Is that the guy's name? The, the, the receiver? back Yeah. Then? Oh yeah. Um, and th- like that's so, so that's, Indiana's done this before and, and played with Ohio State. I think they're going to have to play out of their minds once again on the outside with Watt Fillier and Hendershot and Freifogel and all those guys. But um, they, they're they kind of built for this, and I feel like they they believe. Like they're coming in here with a little bit of, of, of a streak here where they've gotten some wins on their belt and they've gained some confidence. So um, I don't know, man. This is an interesting matchup. I, I, what's the spread on this? I haven't even looked. Uh, 20. I feel like I, so it's pretty clear Vegas does not believe. Right. Where, I mean, I, I was hoping there? to bet Ohio State. Like I, I told myself, if I get a seventeen or if I get an eighteen, I'm going to fire on Ohio State. Right. And it opened nineteen and a half, and I missed it. It only lasted for for a minute or two, and and it got to twenty twenty and a half. And I just at that point, I just don't see a lot of value. I gotta be honest, man. Like I think I almost lean Indiana there, but maybe that's it's a lot. That's um that's an interesting line. I got have to dig on that what, a little more. Barton, what number do you definitely take Indiana at? Like twenty three? Oh yeah, I think so. Like I would, I would pro- like the irony. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a sliver here, but like if that number is sitting at seventeen or something, then yeah, I'm. I think I'm probably like kind of leaning Ohio State. Feels like, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty points. Like that range is 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 a little more reasonable. But I don't know, man. Something about that two zero gives me a little pause. I completely agree. It's sometimes you go into a week, you're thinking, okay, man, I really hope I get this number on this team. And this is why you bet numbers, not teams. 
because if you fall in love with teams, Vegas is going to adjust on them, and, and you're you're all of a sudden you're going to get, you know, like like man, I see that nice number nine next to Indiana. They're four and zero. You think you're going to get something in Vegas? Like now, these guys aren't really a top ten type team. We're, we're not playing this game. All right, hey, segue here. All right, what where is so Indiana is not the number. You know, they're the maybe the number two team in the Big Ten East, we think, right? But think where so. are they? Where would you rank them in your Big Ten West power rankings? Ooh. Well, I would have them behind Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree. I was playing pretty well. I, I think I would probably have them second. Or third? Okay, so you would have them above Northwestern. I, I think so. Yeah. Because Northwest like Indiana has some issues that I think are a little bit hidden right now by their record. And they also have the, the 2019 Florida Gators thing going on. Where remember when when UF had a bunch of these super long runs and so it inflated their yards for carry numbers and it made it made it seem like they had a really good running running offense when like their success rate was still really low. That that's Indiana right now. Indiana has this really weird split going on. They're number two in rushing explosiveness, but number seventy four in rushing success rate. So I think there's some kind of underlying issues. And and by the way, guys, that's not sustainable. We don't see that last over the course of a full season. You are not going to continue to pop that many huge runs if your run game sucks on on a down to down basis. It's just not how it works. Uh, so that's going to regress some, most likely. But still, Northwestern, man, have you already seen this stat? How many yards has Northwestern had in its last three games? I don't know. Not a lot. (laughs) How many? I think it's like 902. In its last three? Yeah. Let me me pull it up here. I I wrote about it in the uh, the Every Game Reviewed feature this week. Uh, Yeah, okay. Northwestern's yardage totals last three games. 273. 317, 292. Yeah. They're number 99 in the country right now in Connolly's SP plus offensive rating. And that includes the beatdown against Maryland. 122nd in the country in marginal explosiveness. Mm. That's just like, I mean, this is, I, I got to be honest with you. In a way, this is a little bit, because I, I was very high on Northwestern coming into the season. Um, and felt like they would have a chance to win the Big Ten West. So I, I, I'm i looking good on that prediction. Like I, they are kind of what I thought they were from a record standpoint, from a um, just in terms of their, their ceiling, their floor, like they're going to be a five and three team at worst kind of. But their offense, I, I was hoping for more of a step forward from their offense. And it really is just, it just, right now, it's just not beating them, you know, which is a step forward, but it's, it's certainly not a net positive. Like, it's just a, they're just breaking even there on offense. And last year, it was a negative. This year, they're breaking even. Um, granted, they're, you know, they're taking care of the football. They're, um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not shooting themselves in the foot, but it's still, I just think it's hard to win football games when you're, when you just got to grind out drives like that, um, yeah, I just they just can't ever seem to have explosive athletes on the outside. And and I to me, there's a difference between the way I'm thinking about these two teams. I, I I think you like Wisconsin better than I do overall. I'm not really sold on Wisconsin's receivers, and I'm not really sold on their backs. I'm fairly sold on Graham Mertz, and I think the offensive line at Wisconsin is probably fine. But this run game has not been super dominant yet. But the thing is, the reason why I'm all in on Wisconsin here, I bet him at six and a half. I bet him again at seven, you know, personal stuff. And now that's up to seven and a half is because Wisconsin's defense, I don't have any questions about. That's a really good, good unit. I know they've played two pretty sketchy offenses so far in Illinois and Michigan, but those two offenses are at least as good as what Northwestern has. And Minnesota just totally dominated them. Illinois did not score an offensive touchdown. Michigan had 11 points. I just think that people say, like, why, why would you bet Wisconsin here? Like, Northwestern's defense is really good. And it is. We'll talk about that in a second. I think the shutout is in play here. 
for Wisconsin. I mean, they they have a lot of film on this Northwestern offense now, and this is a lot better defense than than, uh, than the Wildcats have faced in recent weeks. So, right, but this you're you're getting su- and I'm not I'm not saying I disagree with you. You I may be getting sucked no, in. No, but like this is a classic Northwestern trap. Is is you can't envision how the points are going to come. But when they're when they get in years like this, you know, so well, like twenty seventeen, um, they beat Wisconsin as a fifteen point dog. Uh, I'm sorry, no, they they just covered as as a fifteen point dog. But they, you know, like they they win against Michigan State in triple overtime. Um, they beat Nebraska in overtime. They like they just figure out ways to 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 like get points, whether that's block punts, whether that's like a short field somehow, whether that's, uh, it's just, a. and again, I'm not even, I might bet them. I might bet Wisconsin too, but that's the weird thing about these games. When Northwestern is having the good seasons, they just sort of find ways to just hang around. Like, Oh, you'd be looking up and it's the fourth quarter or late in the third. And and Northwestern hadn't Northwestern hadn't mounted a drive more than like 35 yards all game but the score is 16 to nine. And it's just like, holy cow. Like if they get one big play, like they're, this game's tied. Um, so it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird experience following a good Northwestern team. Cause they're good in a very like hard to, to, to fathom sort of way. They, they, they just don't make a lot of mistakes. They, they make you earn it against them. And and we'll see if Wisconsin is good enough to consistently earn it against this defense. Michigan's defense does not make you earn it all the time. And, and Illinois' defense, uh, they, they played hard, but they, they they have some new faces over there. They, they certainly gave up a couple freebies. What's the total in that, that game? game? Uh, Forty-two and a half. Man, I, I'm 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 like a little tempted to play the under on that one. That's a low number. I was but like, thinking what like twenty-three thirteen Wisconsin. That's that's thirty six. Uh-huh. If it's almost a touchdown of value, if you feel good about that score, yeah, feel pretty good about no one getting in the thirties. Can you get two of them in the twenties? Possibly, but I think that'd be a good day for Northwestern if that happens. That'd be a, yeah, that'd be a great day considering what what North, what Northwestern just did against. I mean, Nebraska twenty one points, Purdue twenty seven in, in a in a kind of a rainstorm sloppy thing, and you know Iowa twenty one. Um, they are running with more pace though. I will say that like that, that does scare me a little bit because they, you know, they're, they're number 19 in the country in plays for drive. So even though they're not being efficient in any way and they're not being explosive at all, they are getting off a lot of plays and that, that does increase your, your scoring chances a, a little bit. Yeah. It's a very weird, like it's, it's a, it's a weird experience. Cause that's the way Bajakian has been doing it at Boston college too. Like the, which is very much the same kind of, oh, we're tight ends and offensive line and we're going to run the rock. And, but you look up and it's like, well, wait a minute. Like BC has been, you know, one of the fastest playing teams in the country. Um, and so they're kind of doing it the same way this week. I, I'll be interested to see what that kind of offensive game plan looks like and how they try to protect things because you're right. Like they, they actually want to get a lot of plays off. The Wildcats just have to find somebody who can give them some kind of explosive play. Like we're, we're just not seeing any of it. And, and you know, they, they, I know they, they run the ball so much. They've only thrown the ball 111 times this year. They, they've ran it. I mean, their, their run pass ratio is they're running 70% of the time on standard downs. You know, that this, this could actually be a nice shot at a first half under if you want to go that route, because almost nobody runs the ball on, on, on Northwestern on first down. Or second down, like they—they're one of the least ran, you know, ran against teams. They're kind of daring you to pass. Wisconsin in one of those teams is one of those teams that it's kind of like you know what, we'll go ahead and, and just just see how just how good you are against the run. Like let's let's go ahead and test this test this stuff out. That could lead to a little first half under action before one of these teams need to open it up and uh, and throw the ball around. I'm looking uh, looking for that first half. It's going to be a fun game. But, I, this might be my favorite game of the weekend, honestly. Because because it's it, just figuring out how both teams try to find find points, find yards. Because Paul Chris is one of the best in the country. At like you look up and you're not really sure who all his playmakers are, but 
you know, somehow they got a jet sweep and a tight end pop pass. And like, you know, they've, they've, they've scored 30 points before you know it. And you don't even really understand how they did it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I, I like that. By the way, speaking of tempo teams, uh, Kent State last night, I, I wrote about this today on 24-7. If you're in a live betting situation, I, I, I know, you, you know, Fornella usually has the tips for you guys on, on the cover three pod, all, all these different rules and whatnot. But one for him, if the first couple drives of a team that is favored by like mid-20s, you know, 28-ish, if they don't go so well, especially if the opponent is scoring on basically luck-based plays like like uh, like Akron was last night, a muff punt, you know, a 59-yard run that, that's not really repeatable given what we know about Akron. The thing is, the original game line is accounting for garbage time. It's accounting for, like, you know, th- those Alabama lines when they're favored by 45 if they left their starters in the whole time, the line would be higher. It'd probably be at a touchdown higher. The thing is, if you're – so Kent State-Akron was 21-all with 40 minutes left in the game. I took a look at this. I'm going to live bet the hell out of this on Kent State's side because Kent State so far has moved the ball at like 11 or 13 – 11 or 12 yards per, per play. Akron is not going to continue to, to do this based on everything I've seen and watched them so far. And the thing is – Kent State is not going to be able to pull its starters. So I'm going to get Kent State's starter scoring output for the whole rest of the game. Just a little little thing to watch. If you're watching the first What'd quarter of one of these what games. What numbers you get it at? Do you remember on the live line? 16 and a half and 23 and a half. And the original line was 26. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Yeah, pretty sure here. that, uh, And they won by 34. Yeah, that was I, – I had, I had Kent State on the the opening line. That was a fun one to, to just sit back and let it all – let the waterfall come. Because – Buffalo teased me. I missed on Buffalo pick earlier, but but Kent State took care of business. Were Were you worried about Kent State like like when Akron was was twenty one all or was just I really okay, was, I really fish. wasn't because it was so early in the game, and there was and and Kent State was just like every time they got the ball, it was like ten yards, fifteen yards, chunk chunk chunk. Like it's like man, this is we got pl- <laughs> we got plenty of time to work with this I, thing. I turned it off uh, after Kent State went for two. To try to go up by like twenty four points. Okay, yeah, this is they're they're, they're going to pour it on tonight in, in a rivalry game. So, uh, I woke up. It's like thirty four points. There yeah, you go. Kent State's fun. That's a Dino Babers guy. Sean, uh, what's Sean Lewis? His name? John Lewis. Um, yeah, he was Eastern Illinois. He was a Syracuse. Uh, he's 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 doing some Dino Babers stuff there, and um, it'd be interesting. I mean, he's young, thirty six or something. Be curious what what his next step is whenever that comes. At my at my prior stop, we did a coaches fight club tournament draft in the offseason, just one of those you know, one of those boring days in May. And uh, I had Sean Lewis as a second round pick, and I was like, "This is tremendous value." Like, have you guys ever seen Sean Lewis? I mean, he looks like like he's playing tight end in the NFL on Sundays. And uh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen Sean Lewis, you haven't watched much Kent State. I don't blame you, but they're fun. And he's he's uh he where did he play in college? He played tight end in college somewhere, right? Uh, it's like Ohio State or something. Like, I can't remember where he played, but he's he pl- he played somewhere. He played. Uh, he played uh, tight end at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. There it is. I knew it was in a Big Ten school. Yeah, th- those aren't those soft tight ends. Either. Those those are blocking. You know. Yeah, he was a glorified pretty much all glorified the time. offensive tackle there. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have a height on him, but Sean Lewis. The hell, he's thirty six. So he better be able to take care of some business in in a coach's fight club. Find a much fifty pluses. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he's he's younger than us. So, uh, if you look at the at the photos of him next to recruits, too, he's he's not six. Oh, uh, his old recruiting profile at Wisconsin uh, said he was six seven. Oh man, I didn't realize he was that big. Apparently, he's pretty damn big. Oh, let's go. So yeah, Sean Lewis is uh, he, he's he's not playing around. And if we redid that draft, I, I think he'd be higher up uh, for sure. Uh, Fickle, by the way, another G five coach. Who I, I think could probably rumble. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like he's he's sort of like a weirdo that you just you know he get crazy eyes and you're not really sure what he's willing to do to win a fight. I could see that for sure. If the listeners can't tell, we are totally off script, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, we we do need to go to ad break, pay some bills. When we get back, we're gonna hit bedlam. We're gonna hit some anxiety bowls, and then we're gonna open up the five star mailbag. So during this ad break, pull up your app, especially if you got Apple five stars. Drop our question for the mailbag in there. Say some nice things. And we have an inspirational story, too, when we get back. So we'll go ahead and read that. See you guys in a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, welcome back. Now it's time for Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. For is this going to be a potential rematch in the Big Twelve Championship game? Depending on how it goes down, what what are we what what are break me through the math here? Have you done it, bud? So there are some some unfavorable tiebreakers for Oklahoma because Iowa State, you know, beat Oklahoma, uh, Kansas State beat Oklahoma, uh, but I, I think there is a decent chance for a rematch. If Oklahoma here. wins, um, basically, yeah. Yeah, if Oklahoma loses, I, yeah. I'm i pretty sure they, they can't make it. Um, but Barton, you know what, what they say, anything can happen in Bedlam. Oklahoma can win by a little bit. Oklahoma can win by a medium amount. Oklahoma can win by a bunch. Uh, this is just – this is one of the the least competitive rivalries in, in, in the sport. I think that Oklahoma State has two wins in the last 17 years. But it doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like it's always hyped up to be something there's – even when it, when the Sooners eventually pull away to win by by two touchdowns, we, we at least get some crazy moments. Remember the the Mayfield game with those crazy interceptions in in, in, in the fourth quarter, and then whoever was playing QB for for the Cowboys, you know, came right back and and threw another pick. And even though I kind of know who's going to win every year, I still like this game. It's it's still fun to me. Yeah, I feel like I know who's going to win this year too. Do you? Uh, yeah, and, and I'm I'm sorry to do this to you. I just I I I'm just not seeing the improvement from Spencer Sanders and and from this offensive line that that I need to see. You know the the run game success rate is is not where it needs to be. That they don't Sanders is fine with the underneath stuff and and they protect his they protect him really well with, with all these screens and and creative stuff from Gundy. But but he's coaching around a lot of stuff. I think he's coaching around an offensive line that doesn't block very well for, for Chuba Hubbard, or excuse me, Chuba Hubbard. Got got Chuba Purdy on the brain today. And uh and they're not able to push the ball down the field. Like they're they're not their runs are usually stopped and they don't hit any big pass plays. It, it's just not a great recipe here. I mean, they're they're basically, hey, can Spencer or or Hubbard break off a big run? That's kind of the offense. I think Oklahoma is starting to hit their you know, their stride, you know, Lincoln Riley has to get a couple losses out of the way early in the season. I think at this point in the year, Oklahoma starting to get his groove. And I mean, that's not a, I mean, they, they scored 62 points in each of the last two games. So that that's um, maybe that's an obvious point to make, but I, I do think when you look at Ramondre Stevenson, getting back at the running back position, the guy that was suspended most of the year, you know, Ronnie Perkins coming back on the defensive line. Um, Jaden Hazelwood, who I don't know if he's even have a catch yet, but he's 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 getting healthy and he's he's able to play. Uh, the defense has settled down a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, I, uh, I I just I you know early in the year it was like we're looking at Oklahoma, but are we really looking at a Lincoln Riley Oklahoma team? There's so many new pieces, so many faces that are out, so many suspensions, so many opt outs transfers new quarterback like there's just this is how do you how do you call this a fully realized Oklahoma team yet and if I were to pick Oklahoma Oklahoma State back then week three week four week two I'm probably picking Oklahoma State even in even in you know retrospectively I probably probably am um but right now 
I just think Oklahoma is a different team. And I think Oklahoma State is the same team. And I don't, like you said, I don't know that we've seen enough um, improvement and evolution out of the offense to, to give me confidence that they can keep up with what I think Oklahoma is capable of doing right now. I, I hit the mute button so I, I could Google the, the phrase, I should have killed you when I had the chance. And I was trying to remember what movie that comes from, but apparently it's it's been used in so many movies that there's actually super cuts of all the different movies that, that it's been in. And I feel like that's the rest of the Big 12 to Oklahoma. We, we said this in the, like, in the first couple of weeks of the season. You need to get Oklahoma now. Like If not now, when are you going to bury the Sooners? When are, you, when are they not going to win the Big 12 if, it, if not for this year? And yet here we are, man. Next week's Thanksgiving, and they're a, a seven-point favorite against Oklahoma State. And if you're Iowa State or if you're Texas or if you're one of these programs that thinks they got a shot at getting it, even does Kansas State with three losses? Are they, they only got three losses, right? Like they, are they, I, I mean, look, I think mathematically Kansas State has a chance because they only have two Big 12 losses because, remember, one of their losses was the Arkansas State mm-hmm. debacle opening weekend. So they, But they, they've, they've lost it. So anyway, point being, like, there's a lot of teams in the Big 12 that should be rooting for Oklahoma State today. I don't know how the tiebreakers work. Maybe there's somebody that's, uh, that's, that's ruled out if Oklahoma State makes it in. But I, you don't want to get Oklahoma in the, in the Big 12 championship game. You'd rather have Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. I'm just telling you. It's in your best interest, Texas, Iowa State, whoever you, whoever else is, is got a rooting interest in this game. Um, that that's you don't want to get Oklahoma in that game. Yeah, the the rest of the Big Twelve, you're exactly right. Uh, the one thing I do think Oklahoma State has this year, and, and I I bet Oklahoma State in this game, and it's not because I like the Cowboys. And I know you're probably pretty surprised because I've not been on What's them the much this year. I grabbed it at ten when it came out on Sunday. Now it's like what? I I, I th- now it's uh, okay. I'm still looking at the first half lines. So first half lines are four. So waiting for this to load, but it's probably like seven, seven and a wow, half. Wow, so that's it's gone down. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's seven. It's actually leaning a little bit Oklahoma State. Like there's a chance this goes to six and a half. I, I think seven, seven and a half is an appropriate line here. I still don't have a ton of reason to trust Oklahoma's defense. I think it's improved during the year, but improved does not necessarily equal good. And I can't totally discount the fact that Mike Gundy you know, could scheme some stuff up for this game and, and put a lot of points on, on, on the Sooners. And look, Oklahoma State's defense is legitimately good. They, they should have beaten Texas. Now, they did not deserve to beat Kansas State. They were pretty fortunate there in that one. But like, this is a good team. It's, it's just... They're not good in the way that, that Oklahoma State is normally good. They have the eighth best defense in the country per SP plus and a 45th best offense. I, I don't think I'd ever thought I'd live to see the day where a Mike Gundy team had that. And Oklahoma now with Oklahoma State coming and West Virginia coming the week after that probably has the two best defenses in the Big 12 ahead of it, right? Is it- they go to West Virginia. Right. Um, yeah, the two best defenses. You're right. So I mean that that's so if you're looking for like a, a an avenue, a path to victory, uh, for Oklahoma State, get get Spencer Rattler back on that turnover bug, because he's given he's he's opened the door early in the year, and that's really what 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 bit him. Uh, hell, he was benched at one point. Uh, so if Oklahoma State can generate some turnovers, you know I, I really think that's the only that's the only avenue to get this W. I agree with that. Anxiety bowls. Anxiety bowls. Who you got? I might have missed some here, but like these are these are two that just when I was scrolling down the schedule last night, putting this together. I, I with anxiety bowls, I, I try to think about a game in which whichever team loses, and Barton with his curtain right now is creating a solar eclipse effect on the screen. Which is, uh, ch- check this out. <laughs> It's awesome. Oh, yeah. oh, look at that. <laughs> no, there you go. Like, let's let's leave it for the YouTube crowd. That that's that's amazing. Um, all right. VT and Pitt and Tennessee and Auburn. What which of these fan bases will be the most pissed off if they lose this game on Saturday? VT Pitt, Tennessee, Auburn. I think. Oh man, I was gonna say Auburn. But I feel like VT fans are getting pretty ornery right now. I think Tech fans have had 
about enough of this. They, they were supposed to be good this year. Um, they've had their moments, but the way Pitt sort of stumbling into this thing, I know Kenny Pickett's back, so that that should help a little bit. But Paris Ford's opted out, and they're you know they've gotten beat up a little bit over the middle part of the season. That would be a tough. I think Virginia Tech would be full on like, all right, like flip the switch. Hot seat is officially hot. Do you remember last year when Fuente was trying desperately to get the Baylor job and pretending he wasn't, and then it looked like he was leaving for the Baylor job? I, I, I don't know. The, I, I'm trying to remember the exact specifics here. And then he came back, and they took that ridiculous staff photo. We're all like cheesing for it, like, "Hey, ready to roll up Virginia Tech?" Like, wait. Weren't you ready to roll yesterday? Like, 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 is this is this new? And some of the guys in the background are like not smiling at all, and it's just a totally awkward situation. I, I, I can't believe that uh, that they're super happy with him right now. And yet, if I look at the Hokies, I think they're the only team in the country that has lost three games in which they had a win expectancy of more than fifty percent. Yeah, that's that is some legitimately bad luck. And most of their wins that they like, they don't have some any of lucky bad wins. Luck, but some of it's also like Liberty was, was kind of bad coaching. Bad coaching. You know? No, there's no doubt. No doubt. I will say in their wins, they have dominated everybody, right? Like 100% win expectancy against NC State, 90% against Duke, 99 against Boston College, 77% at Louisville. So their wins have been decisively you know, dominant. And their losses, like nobody's blown them out except for, well, they, they probably should have got blown out by, by UNC, but they, I think they outcoached UNC in that game for part of it. I think Auburn fans might be pretty pissed if they lose to Tennessee, though. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's going to be because Tennessee doesn't look like Tennessee is, there's, I mean, there, there's issues there, obviously. And, um, but they need this win and they could, they, they I, I could very, easily see Tennessee winning this game. Um, but there's been enough sort of ups and downs of this season for Auburn that it just feels like they've, you know, maybe they could absorb this because Virginia Tech has all been a little bit downhill recently, um, which is why I said them. But I, that, that the Tennessee game, like, it, I mean, the Tennessee fan base, what, what would that be? Are they, What are they now, two and five? Uh, two and four. Two and four. Looks like. So they got a two and five. Whew. Like that's all the like, what do we get rid of? Like, how is this better than Butch talk is going to pick up. Um, and, and this is kind of a year when frankly, you should get Auburn. Auburn is a little bit of on a down cycle. Um, after losing all those guys on the defensive line, not that Auburn's a bad team, but like they're, they're probably, they're probably only going to be better next year. Not, you know, and, and Tennessee this year is supposed to be, this is supposed to be the year that things start to turn. They're just not. So I think that's, that's going to be a fascinating game. I also think there's a little bit of anxiety for Michigan Rutgers. Cause Ooh, yeah. that's a, I mean, Rutgers, they're playing with house money. They got to win. They're, they're playing better than people anticipated. I would imagine Michigan can win this game, but if you don't and they may not. This is uh, that 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 you know you throwing dirt on the on the grave at that point. You're, you're recovering the coffin. I mean, I don't know how you recover from that. Do you ever tell your kids like, "Hey, this is the dad only thing. Don't do this." Um, I got I got I to I got to warn that a lot. Yeah. Okay. I bet Michigan here. Like, Shoot. don't do this at home. This is, this is for, for professionals only. This is purely based on numbers. Eight and a half is just too low. Like it, this should be higher. I, I my, and my, I'm like, okay, how do I justify this? I, I usually try to write a sentence after I bet something as opposed to just be like, here's what my numbers say. Cause that's, that gets boring. And then people, people kind of come for the explanations as, as opposed to just the picks, man. I'm like, okay, how do I justify this? And they're like, well, if they play to the quality of play that they played against Indiana two weeks ago, they'll cover the number against Rutgers. That's kind of the, the hope you're holding out for. They're going to play multiple quarterbacks in this game, it looks like, because they're, they're having a, an open quarterback competition. I, I just don't trust Rutgers. Like, like Rutgers is not a good team yet. They're, they're an exciting team. 
they did some interesting stuff against Ohio State's third stringers late in that game. They were the beneficiary of seven turnovers by Michigan State and like 41 runs on first down that went nowhere and, and basically put, put the Spartans behind the chains every single time. Since then, they struggled with an, with an Illinois COVID-stricken team and Ohio State and Indiana just destroyed them before they pulled their starters. Shiano does have a little bit of the old like Ohio State playbook, though. He's, he he's seen some beatdowns. He may know a couple pressure points he can he can push on. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I as someone that made the just incredibly, incredibly stupid decision of betting Michigan last week. I think it was like a contrarian play. I think I was just like, this is too obvious. Wisconsin. What, what number did you get at that? Did you wait till game matter? time and get like a six <laughs> or seven? I think I well, I think I betted it. I don't know. I know I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I got like four and a half or something like that. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like a value play day of. It was a. It was. A, it was a little bit of what do we even know about Wisconsin? They've got all these COVID guys. Has Graham Mertz even practiced? They're missing a bunch of starters. Um, Michigan's back against the wall. If someone had just shook me and been like, Harbaugh has never won as an underdog. Has he even covered as a dog? Then I would have been like, yeah, you're right. Stay away at best. Um, but I played it, and with that, I am going to sit out Michigan games the rest of the year unless I'm fading them. So you're swearing off Michigan. I, I'll play against I think them. There was a, I'll play against them if I have to, but I'm I, I can't bet them anymore. But you're not looking. You're not rushing to take Rutgers with, with less than than double digits. I am not rushing to take Rutgers. But what's Rutgers against the spread this year? Got to be pretty good. I would think uh, so. I mean, they did they cover Ohio State? I, got, I had to have, I would think. Yeah. Oh, they are 100% against the spread. Yeah, Rutgers is, Rutgers is moral victories every week, brother. Undefeated in moral victories. The, the one thing I would say, like, that would be good justification for taking Michigan last week, even, even knowing the result. Like, from a process standpoint, if you believe that the number on, like, Thursday or Friday had already baked in Mertz playing, and then when the rest of the general public realized that Mertz was playing, that they drove it up to six or six and a half, whatever it closed at game time, then I think you could make an argument for playing Michigan based purely on numbers that, hey, like the value of Mertz is being double counted in this spread. Like the, the people who, who started the spread already knew that he was going to play. And now that the rest of the public knows, it's being driven up more without you know realistic justification for, for doing so. But even then, I mean, that was tough. That was... I, I, I didn't have either side. My um, the book I use is not very. It's 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 tough to make live bets. I need to now that I can uh, go mainstream and gambling is legal in the state of Tennessee and there's more mainstream sites. I should should dive get on board there. But that that would have been a that would have been a smart live play to make. Two drives in, like hell, one drive in. This is not going to go the way Michigan wants it to go. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, uh, let's get the mailbag and then get out of here. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Barton, and this comment is from – I need to pull this guy's name. What's his name? His name is Black Sox. Uh, he writes, uh, insightful and quality content. Hey, guys, love the podcast. I appreciate all the amazing content you're constantly putting out. Barton, you made a comment on the Cover 3 pod a long time ago where you basically said that the basic athletic ability of every human being is to run, which got me thinking about how lazy I was and motivated me to drop 60 pounds since 2019 and start competing in races. So thank you. Dude, that's pretty cool. Like you're, you're inspiring people like biggest loser style. I mean, I love that, that he's like simplified this as if just I mentioned running and he was like, you know what? Pretty good idea. I'm going to do, I'm going to do that and lose 60 pounds and get in races. Like I'm, I can't imagine all the, you know, the real trials and tribulations old boy went through. Like that's impressive. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm glad of that. I, you know, give me a little bit of that juice, man. Tell, how, how do I get motivated? I just need to re-listen to that podcast because that maybe, brother, I had, I'm Seriously. not doing a lot of working out these days. So that is that's awesome. Good word. I mean, I I was I was lifting Liam up today onto the slide because sometimes he's, he's scared to climb up to the big boy slide, but he likes to do the slide. So I'm getting a lot of like shoulder press in because he he likes to slide down. So I just put him up there and, and you know skip the line and. Uh, it's like, dude, you're getting heavy. This is this is tough. It happens. I broke my toe last night. I think stubbing it on a coffee table, trying to take one of the kids up to bed. So I'm out. I'm Ooh. out here. I'm out here working, 
you know, like 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 regulums, yeah, because they're, they're, they're trying not to go exactly. to bed, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, he continues. I want I want to ask you guys about the future of college football. If we look back over the past twenty years, we've seen the emergence of spread offenses, the overemphasis of the quarterback position, Clemson's rise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you see being the next aspect of our sport that will revolutionize the game? Name, image, likeness seems obvious, but is there anything beyond that you could see? You know, parity or either increasing or decreasing. What schools or conferences do you see as next in line that might benefit? Are there any that uh, might see dramatic you know, losing ground, uh, such as the COVID impact on the G5? Thanks again for all the great work. Y'all are awesome. Uh, man, there's a lot of ways to go on that one. I, I, I talked to an actual G5 coach a week or so ago, maybe this week, that feels that like it's very much an inevitability of the power five breaking away from the G five. Um, and I do think that that could, um, change a lot. Uh, I, I think the teams, I mean, the, like right now we're in the midst of the, the transfer portal era, the, the, the lessening of the restrictions of, of transfers, uh, the one-time transfer only situation that I think is going to, um, inspire, um, provoke teams to build out personnel departments that scout, evaluate, recruit, follow the transfer market. That means not just like scouring the the portal and seeing who pops up. That means looking at depth charts around the country, um, and, and doing sort of back channel investigation on who might be unhappy, who might be popping in the portal, who can we put a bug in a in a third party's ear about those that, that player potentially having an opportunity here? That that's that's going to be absolutely a big part of it. Um, and I think he hits it on the name and his likeness too. I mean, the way that's going to evolve, the the different ways, directions that can go, the different ways athletic or athletic departments and football offices have to bulk up their pitch. Um, you know, generate Twitter followers generate Instagram followers for these guys, generate content that they can post on their Instagram page. Uh, that's going to be part of a, you know, a central focus of recruiting moving forward. So, and we're in a kind of an interesting time where I think a lot, I mean, th- there's a lot of, of, of change and disruption taking place. I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I want to kind of piggyback on that. You mentioned name, image, likeness, and, and and building up those facilities and and, and those infrastructures and, and and people in your front offices, and, and it got me to thinking about kind of normalization of things that just ten years ago we wouldn't have thought about. And we have gone from seeing players sit out bowl games, uh, and now we're seeing players sit out the rest of the year if their head coach gets fired, like like we're seeing now with with South Carolina. You know, those guys deciding to just go go prep for the draft when they realize that, that their season is over. Um, and, and it's a trend that as a college football fan, I, I don't like. It's one I understand, but, but I, don't, I don't have to like it, even if I get why they're doing it. And I wonder if we can use name, image, likeness. Uh, I mean, when, when you're signing those deals as players, you're going to have a little more contractual obligations that, that, there to go to. You're probably going to have to play certain games if, if you're healthy, if you're going to do these endorsement-type deals. And some of those are going to be going to be contingent on that. So on the one hand, we have the recruiting side of this, like getting players to your school. I, I kind of think that maybe it's been undersold a little bit by the national media, which we're a part of. So maybe we need to do a better job of it, but here we are now talking about it of using name image likeness to keep guys in school and to keep them in school during the season and maybe ho- holding on to some of your guys, you can still sell tickets down the stretch. That doesn't necessarily tip the, the power balance in the sport, like, like, like I think Black Sox question is, is getting at, but, but it's a natural extension. I, I see. Um, I'm also worried about, about the G five and the FCS level and, and, and things like that going forward. I, I think Jimbo has an absolutely great point on why it is important to play G five schools. And we're seeing like some of these conferences say, we don't play G five schools but okay, or, or, or we, we don't play FCS schools rather. Well, the thing is one of those games makes that school's budget for this year. And then they have a pay game, you know, that the FCS school goes and pay and plays the D2 school. And that helps their budget for the entire year. It's kind of a trickle-down effect. And for, for our sport to survive, 
you know, for us to be doing the Barton and Bud show in, in 2040, we need people playing football at all levels, the high school level. And, and we need it also in the college level, not just at the power of five, but we need people who you know go to high school and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to play football. I'm going to go play college ball. If that dream becomes that much harder to go play college ball to where you're not able to get you know as many slots as you used to be able to get at an FCS school or at a D2 school, I, th- then I think that hurts participation all the way down. I, I you know, some trickle down economics is kind of BS, but this I think is 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 real, and and so I am worried. I was I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and he told me that like this one FCS school might only have five scholarships available next year due to COVID. I mean that that's scary stuff. They normally have sixty three, I think it is. I so that that's kind of a worry I have about the sport. Just something that if you only follow the P five teams, you don't think about this. But there is sort of a food chain effect here that that we need to be concerned about. I think. It's a bit of a tangent, but the I talked to an FCS coach because you know all these there's going to be scholarship overages that are going to be allowed for um, FBS programs because of the COVID stuff. That's actually not a luxury. That even if the NCA allows scholarship overages for FCS programs, and I imagine this is the case for some FBS programs in the Group of Five, it definitely they, is. they don't have the money to allow for additional scholarships guys to be on campus. So congrats, like thanks NCAA for like letting us like um, provide more scholarships in this uh, additional year, but we can't take you up on it because we don't have the finances to support 15, 20 more guys on our roster. Um, so yeah, it's a, the, the, like the economic revolution that's taking place is pretty fascinating. Um, pretty far reaching and um you know i'm uh you know i i it's it's going to be there's going to be some unintended consequences along the way that i think is are going to be really hard to to identify the, the college model assuming you don't get some kind of crazy concussion is a really good deal for about 90 yeah 7 98% of the players out there for about 3% of the guys out there it's a pretty crappy deal you know, th- those are the guys who, if it, in any other sport, they'd be drafted out of high school. You know, baseball, they, they would never see the insides of a college baseball stadium. They'd never play college hockey. You know, they they just, they'd be out tennis. They'd be, you know, winning a grand slam at 18. Most of the guys, though, that play college ball, this is a pretty good deal. Most of them step on campus and never have a true shot at the NFL or, or playing at the professional level. And, you know, it, they get their education paid for books, meals, that, that, that kind of stuff. And some of them get beat up pretty bad. But for the ones who can get through it kind of healthy, it's it's not a bad deal at all. It's just we, the ones we focus on the most are the super, the super, super talented ones who are going to go on to play in the NFL. Yeah. Good question. Keep on getting into those races. Keep running. I'm impressed. You're going to have to inspire me. I'm going to have to get working out again. Do you think uh, if we send him a Barton Bud t-shirt, will he wear it during a race? Um better apparently i'm, I'm like his, merch. his like inspiration <laughs> i'm his inspiration so yeah hell yeah you should i need a part Dude, to butt awesome. shirt. i yeah ditto uh we, we need to talk to meredith about that I, I i did at port on twitter for the signing day show we, we need one of those yeah, I didn't see a the, uh, the elections did i miss it no he didn't respond i'm gonna have to text him be like right. hey get, get on the twitter right. cool buddy i uh, will see you sunday night later Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.